Hi, I'm Dave. And I'm Paul. And we're going to challenge you to transform your financial future through the principles of the most profitable business in the world, banking. We believe everyone should be involved in two businesses, the business that you're in and the banking business. Everyday people can replicate what bankers have been doing for centuries to leverage capital and build wealth through private lending. Join us as we uncover the truths about money, expose lies and myths, and flip conventional financial advice on its head. Here we go. Paul, how's it going, bud? Merry Christmas. Hey, how you doing? Merry Christmas to you. Thank you. Yeah, you got big plans this week? This is like the the final push before Christmas. Uh, probably got to finish some shopping, huh? I do. I got to buy Anthony... Um, catches catcher yeah catches catcher's equipment for ba- for baseball he wants yeah. to he wants to expand he, he enjoys it and he's pretty good at it and uh you know he's kind of small but uh, he does he does well behind the plate so uh, i'm gonna do that and then uh i think tammy and i i mean i'll get her obviously some some things uh but we're gifting each other the gift of replacing the entire main floor of hardwood with Ooh. luxury vinyl plank yeah um, just in case we have to rent this place long-term, it's just more durable and it looks the same and yeah. Nice. Yeah. Well, hopefully Anthony doesn't listen to the podcast. So yeah, he does like Christmas present there. I, I love doubling up Christmas with like stuff they need anyway. Right. Like sports gear. That's right. Brilliant. I wish Christmas, I wish the hockey season just started a little later so I could use Christmas to buy all the new hockey gear. Cause my son just like grew out of it, his helmet. You know how much a helmet costs for an 11 year old? 175 a little more a little bit more Ugh. believe it or not yeah it's ridiculous so <laughs> i'm like can't we just hold off for like two more weeks dude i'll uh it'll it'll be under the tree golly but yeah it's crazy yeah, it is what it is i got uh hannah's doing most of my shopping which is great i just perfect have to uh, here's the credit card supply capital do this got a supply good good thing i have access to capital this time of year yeah that's right yeah actually in january when the bill comes due and then uh, home search, no change. Yeah, still searching, still searching. There's not a whole lot out there. We talked to a, a builder earlier in the week, and uh, yeah, um, I don't know. I'm not a big fan of the idea of building right now with the supply chain issues, and you know, who knows what the holdup would be on that. But sure, you know, there's lumber's cheaper, I think. So there's that. Yeah, I'm waiting for those 3D printed houses to come out. <laughs> you could buy a Clayton home, you know, like a double wide or something. Yeah. You know, slap a couple of those together. You guys would be great. I know. And they're I cheap. Thinking, I was like, why don't we just get a town home? You know, we share a wall and we each have a town home and we can put kids in one and us in the other. I've considered that before looking at these town homes in Northern Virginia. I was like, man, wouldn't that be something? Yeah. Put a yeah. door in the middle. Yeah. Put a door in know, the middle that we can lock, lock on our side. Yep. Be like, Dead all bolt. right. You guys can come over for an hour and go back to your home. Oh, <laughs> uh, we'd still hear them through the walls, I'm sure. Yep. No yeah. question. Yeah. Well, all right. Well, let's start it off. We got a question on the email. Doug emailed us. What did he have to say? Yeah. So he's got a long email and we definitely appreciate it, Doug. And congratulations on on buying your first IBC policy. Yep. Um, Boo hoo on not purchasing it with us. No, just kidding. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure, sure if you, you're working. Resources anyway, though. He did. He is working with a practitioner, which is outstanding. Okay, yep. so to his question, he's basically wondering um, why we've touched upon direct recognition, uh, mutual life insurance companies versus non-direct recognition, and we tend to lean toward the more non-direct recognition companies. And as a review, folks, what what I'm talking about is here is 
a direct rec recognition company will directly recognize a policy loan, meaning they are going to pay you a different dividend rate based on the money that's leveraged and the money that's not leveraged. There'll be two different crediting rates for that. Um, whereas a non-direct recognition company does not reduce your dividend at all, even if you have a max policy loan out. Right. So does it really matter when it comes down to the infinite banking concept? They say it doesn't. That, And I've heard other people say it's probably a wash. Only, only you in your policy experience is going to be able to tell whether, you know, 10 years from now or 20 years from now, whether that's true or not. I don't know because I don't own any direct recognition policies. Mine are all non-direct recognition. Yeah. That being said, there are some very old, very good mutual companies that are direct recognition that you can practice IBC with just fine. So I think in the end, you should concentrate on what's going on outside your policy and what opportunities that you see because you have a large pool of capital that you can leverage and just be worried about that instead. Yeah. Yeah. Don't get tripped up in the details because at the end of the day, it doesn't make that big of a difference. The, the biggest difference is you, the policy owner, and you know, how do you treat your bank? Are you playing honest banker? Are you stealing the peas? Are you, um, you know, are you capitalizing? All those kind of things that we're going to actually talk about today. Um, so yeah, we're not dogmatic about it one way or another. I prefer non-direct uh, recognition as well just because I usually have, uh, I'm leveraging quite a bit of cash value. So I've always got a large outstanding loan balance. And it's just nice for me to know that it doesn't matter how much I have loaned out or how much, uh, what percentage of my cash value I'm leveraging, I'm still gonna earn the, the, the same dividend, whether I'm borrowing against it or not. So yeah, that, that's why I lean non-direct. Yeah, it would be interesting, Doug, if you circle back around someday and, you know, let's say you have a max policy loan out. Let's say you have $100,000 of cash value that you can that can be lent, um, that could be collateralized. And you take that max policy loan and see what at the beginning of a policy year or something and let it run for 12 months doing something and then see what your illustration said your dividend was going to be and, and what it actually was that year. That's And that's how you'll know whether you made the right decision right. for your personal use of your dividend paying whole life insurance contract or not. And at the end of the day, that dividend, you know, one company pays 5.2%. Another company may say they pay 6% dividend. It doesn't matter because that's not the final equation anyway. The company that pays 6%, maybe they have higher expenses or they had more uh, death benefit payout than planned or expected that year, which then results in a lower dividend overall. You know, dividend rate, again, is just one part of the equation, which is, you know, like A times B times C. Yeah, that it's more it's more marketing than anything, quite honestly, because you don't know the math behind that advertised gross dividend rate that a company is talking about. Right. The most important question is, does my company pay dividends? Yes. If they do, good. You can You're do good. IBC with that company. Yes. Enjoy. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, so in in short, don't burn too many brain cells over it. Right. Just you, you've got a good company there. Sounds like you got a good agent, an IBC practitioner. Uh, you're going to be set. Now it's up to you to, to play honest banker with yourself. That's right. Yeah. Well, cool. That, that's a good lead in to what we want to talk about today. Just going back to the basics, Nelson's principles. So he's really got five principles that Nelson says you should operate by. So five rules. So let's, let's just knock them out one by one. Uh, 
the first one, rethink your thinking. What, what does that mean to you, Paul? Oh, gosh. Well, you know, to me, it meant not doing things the, I guess, I guess not traditional, but the conventional way that we're taught. Um, you know, Nelson says in his book that this is, you know, early on in the book, right? This is not maybe on page three, in fact, that this is not a qualified plan of any kind, right? This is not an invention of government. This is free people contracting with each other is is what buying a life insurance contract is. So to me, it just means you have to want to control, you know, your personal economy and you have to want to be able to kind of think outside like what all of your friends and everyone, you know, everyone you're related to what they're doing. None of them are doing IBC. Right. None of them are paying high premium relative to their income into a properly structured, and we use that term a lot, properly structured dividend paying whole life insurance contract. None of them are doing that. And that's okay. You, you have to be an independent thinker. And that's kind of what it means to me is kind of like a, like that libertarian mindset, live and let live, but be a free thinker and make a decision on your own after educating yourself. Right. Exactly. In fact, just to prove that point, I had a, a client send me a text today and just exactly like you said, nobody, not, none of your friends are doing this. He said, hey, keep your eye open for my buddy, so-and-so who's going to contact you. He's one of my only coworkers that aren't giving me crap because I, you know, this client is telling, telling his friends what he's doing, you know, and everybody's like, ah, give me a break. What are you doing? That's stupid. You just, you know, max out your 401k and, uh, you know, and, and go with that. So he's, he's thinking against the grain and it's difficult based on your peer group and maybe your coworkers and people you spend the most time with, I just encouraged him to, um, hey, you, you got to make your your new mentors and your circle, you know, people you follow on social media or a podcast you listen to. Um, like there's a couple other podcasts that we would recommend as well. Like those things should be your your close circle of uh, of influence when it comes to financial matters not your coworkers. that's right you know you could you could also say you know latch on to people who are you know seemingly more successful than you right what are they doing so we study banks what what are the banks doing mm-hmm. right they take collateral right they create money out of thin air well we can't do that damn yeah. it um they said but the you terms. know you know what i mean they set the terms. They control the gold, right? They control. They're the they're the the gatekeeper. They right? transfer the risk to the borrower. They transfer risk. It's risk that's transfer. Right. Yeah. So, and that's you know that's the overall point is you know and then just surround yourself with with like minded people like Dave said I think is just that's super important. You need your cheerleaders and people that aren't going to beat you down. Kind of like that dude we had in that webinar that couple of years ago that oh, yeah. was like, this is a scam. Like. It's like, dude, be quiet. Yeah. No idea what you're talking about. Yeah. But he didn't deter anybody else on the webinar. Or no, he sure didn't. They, in fact, they started speaking up, you know, and shouting him down. So he's a communist anyway. Yeah. We don't need any of them. Yeah. So anyway. Yeah. You know, and back to rethink your thinking. He's it's funny, he makes that rule number one because where does every change in your behavior start from? It starts in your mind. That's right. So you cannot change anything. You'll you'll never find the uh the solution right? Until you know the problem, but you'll never know the problem unless you change your mindset to really go look for that and open your eyes to see what the problem is. So that's right. That's why it's number one. The next one, think long range generationally, generationally beyond one's own life. So, I mean, think long range. Yeah. You pretty much spelled it out beyond your own life, 
right? Which is what we do. So, you know, what, what, where do you see when people are not thinking long range and how do you recognize that in, in people that talk to you? Yeah. So anyone that's, that comes to me and it doesn't happen often, but it occasionally does happen where they'll, they'll be watching the wrong thing. You know, if I get someone early enough in the process, I can direct them on not listening or watching the noise that's on YouTube. Cause there's a lot of crap out there about IBC. So someone that's trying to, you know, put, you know, 1% to the base and 99% to a PUA. So they have max liquidity in year one, cash on cash in year three, they've broken even in premium versus cash value available in year five. That person is likely not thinking long range because they, they need that instant liquidity, but they don't realize that a few years down the road, that premium that they're able to pay right now is going to dwindle down to almost nothing which is going to limit the amount of wealth they ultimately create, which is going to limit the amount of wealth that they ultimately pass on. So we're not thinking generationally, right? By limiting the amount of money that we can put into a policy. That'll tie into another one of his rules. But I think you have to want to leave a legacy. And I think before, I said this before, before I had children, I was, my friends were my beneficiary and my parents were my beneficiaries, right? That's who I had to leave money to. And maybe um, if I had been thinking charitably, I would have thought of a charity to leave it to or something. Yeah. Um, but now that I have children and I know that I can better their lives and give them a better shot than I had, and I had a pretty good shot, but to give them just another leg up, because everything we're doing in finance is compared to what someone else is doing, what our neighbors are doing. If I can give them an advantage in knowledge and capital and the in how to use it in a privatized banking system, mm -hmm. how wonderful is that? What's that worth? Right. Yeah. There are no deals on life insurance. So you can... You can look for, hey, I want the, I want whatever looks best in year one, two, and three. I don't care about year twenty. I just want to know what what's the best in the first three years, and that's. I don't what care I want. about the death benefit. I don't care about the death benefit. Like that's <laughs> a such short term thinking. When have you ever, like, where else in life do you not have to sacrifice for something that's good for you long term? You you have to. Right. You have to sacrifice for something if you if you want to live as long as you can possibly live naturally, then you have to eat healthy. You have to exercise. You have to take care of yourself. You can't drink and smoke all the time. Like you have to make sacrifices today in order to get that long-term benefit. And it's no different with life insurance. That's yeah, that's, that's right. Right. And I, I also think, you know, a point on, on the death benefit is these, some of these folks that think like this or that are being told that this is the way that you design a high cash value life, whole life insurance policy, they don't understand the relationship between the cash value and the death benefit. They don't realize that at age 121, the cash value and the death benefit are going to meet. They're going to be the meaning they're going to be the same number. If that's true and it's true, right? Why would you want to limit how much premium you can pay into this into this thing mm -hmm. and how much how much legacy you can leave if if those numbers are, are linked, right? So the idea would be to pay more over time, right? Yep. So, well, funny you say that because rule number three, principle number three is don't be afraid to capitalize. Yeah. And I just kind of stole the thunder on that one, I guess. But. Well, you led right into it. It was a good, it was a good segue because think long-term. So at first it starts with rethink your thinking. And then Nelson says, now that you've done that, think long-term. And if you're thinking long-term, you understand that the longer I can funnel capital into this system, 
the better that policy is going to be and the better my banking system is going to be. So naturally, the next thing is, hey, don't be afraid to capitalize. Don't be afraid to put a pay a lot of premium. As our good friend James says, premium is the answer to your problems. And it is, isn't it? Now, isn't it true, Dave, that later in life, when I can no longer labor for a wage because I'm too old and my I'm too broken from all that army running and well, I didn't do any rucksacking because I was an aviator, but um, didn't do much of it. Um, can I take passive income off this policy? Absolutely. In the form of in the form of policy loans or in the form of dividends. dividends. That's why we or, call, that's why Nelson called it he didn't call it retirement, right? He called it passive income. Passive years. income. Or yeah. through a surrender of paid up additional insurance, any number of ways that I can take passive income beyond many times beyond the premiums that I've paid into it. Yep. On a tax free basis. Never pay taxes on, tax, on it. On ne- and never pay taxes on it. If that's true, and it also is true. Why would I want to limit how much money in the future that I'd have access to tax-free? Why would I artificially restrict that just for some short-term gain? Right. And conversely, going back to the death benefit, when you have those outstanding loans, when you graduate from this earth at 85, let's say, and you have a million dollars of loans out that you took as passive income and didn't repay, you want to have a high death benefit, right? Because they're going, the, the insurance company is going to recapture that outstanding loan and be by reducing your death benefit by that much before they pass that to your beneficiary. So you want a very high death benefit and you will have a very high death benefit if you think long range and you're not afraid to capitalize. If you go back to like what you're saying, the 90-10, you know, 99% PUA, 1% base, your death benefit's not going to be near as big and when you've been taking that cash out, there's there's a much probably going to be a much smaller delta between your your cash value and your death benefit. That's right, right. So no question, your beneficiaries are going to be left with a lot less. Yeah, I you know I want that money there when I need it. Yeah, yeah. that's when I'm when I'm older, right? Right. Um, and I want it to be as big as I can possibly make it. Yep. And acknowledging that yes, I am going to give up some short term liquidity. And I'm okay with that because I can think long range. Sure. If I wanted 100% liquidity, I would just keep my money in somebody else's bank. But yeah. I don't want to do that. That's right. Right. There's startup costs to a business that- Startup costs to every business. Yeah. But this business is guaranteed to succeed. That's the difference. So at That's the right. end of the day, do you want a small business or a large business? Because either one you create at the beginning is guaranteed to succeed. So why not go big? Which leads us to- don't be afraid to capitalize, right? That's right. Don't be afraid to capitalize. That means don't be afraid to pay high premium. Right. So for a long period of time, preferably. Yes. And you know, we don't just say that, we do that. And when we talk to somebody, one of the first ways to under to to recognize their understanding of infinite banking when we talk to them is they'll ask the question either, how much do I have to pay? Or how much can I pay? Right. If you're asking how much do I have to pay to start a policy, then you probably need to get back in the book or probably read it once because you haven't read it yet. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It, and I, I do think it's difficult, Dave, for someone that's not doing IBC yet, that maybe is still in their study phase or just bought a new policy to understand that mindset. I thought I understood everything about it when I bought my first four policies from you. 
And then a year later, I sold myself more than double a policy, all four more premium than I was paying in all four of the other ones. Right. Yeah. Um, not quite double, but more than the four. So um, that's when the true understanding. Uh, and I feel like Nelson said this too, the learning never stops, right? You're a lifelong learner. Um, you're never going to outrun your need for finance folks ever. No, you're always going to have to finance something, the next vehicle, the next business venture, um, the next medical expense, which will likely be the largest expense of your life as you age will be medical insurance. Yeah. After taxes. How are you financing that? That's right. How? Well, of course. Right. Well, it might, well, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. So don't be afraid to capitalize. Going back to what I, I say to every person I talk to when they ask about, you know, how much premium should I, should I put in? Hey, it's got to, it's got to meet two requirements. It's got to be manageable and it's got to be meaningful. Manageable, meaning don't stretch yourself too thin. Yeah. Premium you know, poor. We don't want to be that. You don't want to be premium poor. You don't want your, your wife or your husband mad at you for committing to such a high premium. You don't want to lose sleep at night, but <laughs> Paul smirking. Make them mad at you by buying a Hellcat without notice. <laughs> yeah, or not. But And then you got to make it meaningful. Like 100 bucks a month, that's manageable. But it's going to take you ages and ages to capitalize your system and be able to use it for anything meaningful. So you got to make it meaningful. What do you want to use your system for? Do you want to use it to simply uh, have enough money to buy a car three or four years from now? Great. Create the design around that. Do you want it to to help pay your children's college tuition 20 years from now. You can design the policy around that. It's a meaningful policy because you build it for something. Yeah, that that's right. You know, I'm trying to build mine for a lot of reasons. And I think the more I've been thinking about it, Dave, over the, over the last few weeks is that, you know, the passive income time, really. I want another source of tax-free wealth that that is that is guaranteed, mm -hmm. right? I, I think that gets overlooked sometimes because everyone's always using policy loans to go f fund their business ventures or whatever. And that's fine. But I, I like that guarantee of having that asset there to, to just live off. Yeah. Or to supplement whatever else I have going on. Absolutely. Well, cool. All right. How about this one? This is something we say quite a bit, but maybe some people, if you haven't read the book, you probably don't understand what this means. Don't steal the peas. Yeah. Why would you steal peas? I don't know. I hate. Peas. I would steal little sir baby peas. Those are really good. We'll load them up with butter. <laughs> I think peas are, peas are baby food. They're yeah, they are. I like peas. I, we don't really have them very often because nobody likes them, but me and Tammy, I think. I, but uh, I don't. I've never eaten them by themselves. Like I'll mix it, you know, like shepherd's pie or chicken pot sure. pie, yeah, uh, or something like that. But or fried rice. Try le sir baby peas. Those are really good. Okay, they're really good. We'll see. Anyway. What does that mean? So it means that um, you've got this asset called dividend paying whole life insurance. You're capitalizing your system. You're paying high premium. Um, you're doing whatever. You take a policy loan out to go finance something, whether it's a vacation, maybe it's a business venture, doesn't matter. Repay that loan. Repay that loan at a rate. At what do you want your bank to be making? I think Nelson used 10%. Well, people are like, well, Paul, the policy loan rate's only 5.7 or 5% or whatever. Yes. So you can pay the loan back faster or you can open up a new policy and pay the difference as additional premium to capitalize another policy. There you go. 
which will add to your capital base. He talks about that in the book. Yeah. Somewhere in the in the in the mid fifties, I think, in the book. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Don't. Uh, you know, a good way to think about it is if you're going to take a loan for something, it would really be ideally for something that you would typically go to a bank to take a loan for, and a bank is going to require a payment structure, a repayment structure. So require one of yourself, which goes back to one of the the fundamental things about this, the ideal client is if you don't have discipline to save and to repay loans, then you're not a good fit for this period. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. Won't even, won't be able to talk to you. Right. Um, just because you, you have to be a disciplined individual to do IBC for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like Dave said, I always tell my clients, this is you would never take a policy loan where you haven't made provisions to make repayment, i.e. treat it like a loan from Dave's bank. You're going to pay Dave back. Yeah. Or are you going to break your kneecaps? That's right. He's coming <laughs> after you. <laughs> yeah. That's not true. I've never done that yet. Nope. Yeah. So good. Steal a piece. But if you don't recognize that, that little saying, read the book, get the book. That's right. All right. And then the final one, don't do business with banks. Now this one is, could be a little bit tricky to navigate, right? Because sure. Banks are, I hate to say it, they're kind of essential to the way we operate in this, in this world, right? So what does that mean, Paul? Like you get your policy and now you have to save up enough capital in there to pay cash, you know, Dave Ramsey style for your next house purchase because you can't go to the bank and get a, uh, and create a mortgage with them. Is that what he's saying? No, no, he's, he's not. Um, could you eventually do that? Sure. Yeah. You know, if I sure. was a fourth generation, you know, beneficiary of infinite banking style, whole life insurance, maybe I wouldn't be doing business with banks because I'd be sitting on millions and millions of dollars of capital. I know how to use it. Yeah. So maybe, you know, my great grandchildren, maybe they won't have to do business with banks because they'll have they'll have enough to do what they need to do. And then some and I'm talking business ventures, investment opportunity, whatever. But no, yes, generally speaking, the monetary regime we find ourselves in worldwide. I don't care if it's the Bank of England or the Federal Reserve System or whatever. It is evil. Yeah, it is evil. They create money out of nothing. So every time you hear the word government stimulus or some other crap, that is money that is being generally manufactured. Because I think the government gets most of its money, not through taxation, but through just printing, right? Um, yeah, well, I mean, inflation is a tax on the people. It's a hidden tax. Right? It's a hidden tax wow. that it enriches the government, enriches politicians probably, and, uh, and steals from mostly the poor and the middle class. That's right. It's a fleecing of the American middle class. And the poor for sure. Right. And uh, so that's, and that's what Nelson I think was getting at is, and he's, and he's absolutely right. I agree 100% with that. Now that I've, now that I've been awoken by just reading a few books, like that book right there, the gold one, mm -hmm. Secrets of the Federal Reserve, Eustace Mullins and Creature from Jekyll Island, other books and the Fed by Paul, um, Ron Paul, you know, that's part of knowing what's going on. You know, when you know what's going on, you'll know what to do. And that's what he's getting at. You're we're, we contribute to inflation every time we take a loan out, mortgage, yeah. car loan, because that money's largely, you know, if there's a 10% reserve requirement at the bank, 90% of the money that we're getting is now, you know, through the Mandrake mechanism, right? If you don't know what that is, chapter 11, Creature from Jekyll Island, mm -hmm. maybe? Yeah, it's all ones and zeros. It's all binary. It's just, so. right. poof, money created. Yeah. Like it didn't exist before. 
And if you don't understand that, that's go back to Dave's walnuts um, discussion of inflation about the walnuts and the tree houses in a previous episode. Um, when there's an endless amount of currency, the price of things goes up. That's why everything gets more expensive over time, generally speaking. Oh, wait, I thought inflation occurred because the uh, us, we consumers got, you know, so uh, greedy and kept, we bought too much stuff, according to Janet Oh, Yellen. my God. Like, are you are you kidding me? And She's you, you're blaming, supposedly a professional you're, economics person. And, and you're trying yeah. to blame the American consumer for inflation? Like... <laughs> There's no way she's that stupid. She's she's just that deceitful. It's terrible. What? And this goes back to if you don't have your eyes open and you don't do any education, you'd have no other choice but to take her for a word. She was on. on I was watching the Chiefs game, you know, a, a week ago, whatever. And uh, right after 60 Minutes was on, it was on CBS, right? And uh, the first person they had on there was Janet Yellen. Let's just give her the floor and and let her explain to us how inflation works and how it's our fault. No, I can't even bear to listen. I just turn it off. It's hard to watch it because, you know, in the gym in my building, Bloomberg's on constantly. And mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm just, I'm hearing it because I don't have my headphones in because I'm working with a coworker, working out with a coworker. And uh, I just hear it's just constantly the inflation and the Fed and just, oh, just. Yeah. They're not going to fix it. They caused it. They can't fix it. They can't fix it. You know, they, well, <laughs> I think that's what we'll get to in our next episode is, um, you know, the government likes to create problems and then create the solutions to fix the problems they create and hail themselves as the heroes. Isn't that funny? Yeah. Well, all right. Well, so back to don't do business with banks. Let's now there's a difference in doing business with banks as a as a uh, customer of the bank and business as with banks as a a partner or even an owner. So that's right. There's um, so there's differences in that, which. You know, we do we do business with banks when it comes to the private lending side and purchasing real estate and and, and everything there to create a lot of wealth for our community. Um, but we do it as partners. We're not customers. There's a difference, and that's a different yeah. conversation. Sure, they want to lend to a partner. Yeah, they absolutely want to because banks they only want make to. money if they lend money. So, you know, if you're a good partner and you bring good assets to the table and you have good uh, you know marketability personally and uh, with your company, they, they want to throw money at you. So yeah, no question. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Well, cool. I think that'll do it. That's uh, you know, Nelson's five big rules or principles. Let me sum them up. I'll sum them yeah, up for the yeah, end. Finally. Right? Go ahead. Rethink your thinking, think long range beyond your own life. Don't be afraid to capitalize. Don't steal the peas. Don't do business with banks outside of checking and savings. There you go. Boom. All right. Hey, good episode. Hey, Merry Christmas, everybody. Uh, we hope you guys have a wonderful time with family, with friends. Take some time off. I know I'm going to take some time off and just kind of recalibrate and enjoy the season. So uh, Merry Christmas to you, Paul. It's been good working Merry with you. Merry Christmas to you and yours. And I hope you guys, uh, I hope the big the big fam finds a place to, to buy or build or whatever soon. Yeah, it'll happen. It's out there. I just got to keep my eyes open and look for it. There's that diamond in the rough. It'll present itself to me. All right, buddy. We'll talk to you next week. All right. Control your capital. Or somebody else will. We'll see you. Hey, thanks for listening, everybody. If you'd like to have a conversation with us to see how you can become your own banker, or if you have any questions or topics you'd like us to tackle on a future episode, please send us an email to David and Paul at the ibcguys.com. And subscribe and leave us a review if you're on Apple. Follow and leave us a five-star review if you're on Spotify. And please share this with your friends. We'll see you next week.